0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Your home for the Oklahoma State Cowboys is the Blitz 1170.
1: Ah, yes. Coming up on the uh, Poplin Tour 2023, Weezer at the Oklahoma City Zoo. Indeed, I will be there. Looking forward to that. All right, welcome back in here on the Blitz 1170. It's 2.05. Hey, by the way, shouts out to uh, Conference USA, who just keeps owning the basketball world right now. Conference USA sent five teams to the men's basketball postseason tournaments this year. Currently combined 16-1 and and could win three, three different tournaments. Uh, And by the way, all five of the teams that made postseason play out of Conference USA are all headed to the AAC next year. So, yes, they might be losing the likes of Houston and a few others. And I get it. That really sucks for the American. But you're at least adding some programs that have uh, some success going for them right now. All right. Uh, let's hit up the hotline and welcome in B Rider for the Oklahoma Sooners from the Tulsa World. He is Eric Bailey joining us now here on the Blitz. What's up, B-B? Long time no chat, man. Hope you're doing well.
0: Pop, you're doing all right, man. Hey, uh, I, I, let me tell you this. I am old enough to remember when Conference USA was Memphis and nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It> was, <laughs> Memphis and when John Calipari was running the show and you had all those stud teams and, oh, man. And it, they ran that league when Tulsa was in the league. Uh, so, yeah, so good for Judy McLeod, the commissioner, the former Tulsa Athletic Director. That's right. And, and good for getting, getting – and, it, it is, yeah, there are going to be in the Americans uh, next season, but that just tells you how strong the Americans is going to be in
1: basketball too. There is no doubt. And I'm telling you, of all the teams, Eric – um, I'm excited about a lot of them coming in, but this run that FAU is is on, I ho- and I don't know how many people watch FAU basketball. I would be a liar if I told you and said, here, I watch them on a regular basis this year. But one thing that they have proven is, is that that's a pretty darn good program that Coach May has built, and now they're going to get that influx of cash. They, I think they have the ability to bring everyone back next year. If they do in the American, if they can survive all the NIL poachers that are happening right now or portal poachers, Uh, That is a team that uh, could develop something and become somewhat of a basketball school to go along with the brief success that they've had in football. I, I don't think it's that difficult for a school like that to start a new chapter in their athletics.
0: Not at all. And I think I think it's good for the sport. I mean, you remember how everyone was cheering for Loyola when Porter Mosier was down there. When they made the, I mean, made this, made this kind of run, I'm really excited about seeing that. I'm, I'm pulling for them. And, and who would have picked that either FAU or San Diego State would be in the national championship game on Monday? <laughs> I know, I, I know. It, it, that's the that's the beauty of March Madness. That's the beauty of 64 or 68 teams now playing in this event because you really can't predict what's going to happen. Uh, it, it was such a fun, it's always such a fun uh, watch in the month of March and to see all the number one seeds go down. It's it's open game for anybody. So. Uh, yeah I would love to see FAU just become that basketball school and and really it's just been such a fun month pop
1: it has been a ton of fun and and you never know look at what it's doing for San Diego State probably more than likely going to get the call up to the Pac-12 who knows with the Big 12 kind of lingering in the shadows as well just never ultimately know where that leads to all right let's uh shift gears to uh Oklahoma a few days in on practice now What's the number one overall question right now, Eric, that's been asked about this Sooner team through spring football in your opinion?
0: You know, everyone's wondering about Jackson Arnold, of course, and rightfully so when you have a five-star recruit coming in with his resume and uh, everyone's excited about the future that he brings. But for me, it's, it's been Brent Venables, what he spoke about ever since he, spoke to us after the Florida state loss it's physicality on defense it's being physical at the point of attack it's being physical in the secondary and I think for me that's the that's probably what they really need that's the biggest jump they need to make this spring Uh, we had an opportunity to go to practice um, earlier this week on Monday and uh, we stayed for 45 minutes which I still thankful Brent allows us (laughs) so I mean 45 minutes uh, it, it's crazy compared to Coach Stoops and Coach uh, Riley, what Coach Venables is allowing us to do. And at the tail end of that 45-minute open session, they ran the W drill, which is almost like a, a bigger version of the Oklahoma drill where there's a lot of hitting, a lot of physical play. And it, it was fun watching them just get after it. And it's good on good. It's, you know, ones versus ones, a lot of hitting. Uh, you know, Drake Stoops and Billy Bowman got into it after <laughs> after the whistle on one play and, went to the ground and had to be separated. But it's that physical nature that they need to play with, uh, especially with the move to the SEC in a couple of years. So I think that that's the building blocks they have to use this spring. They just weren't that physical last year, and that needs to change for them to have success.
1: So has there been a a, a change, Eric? Because I, I know like Brent talked about that a lot last year, about being physical and what it takes. But now with having a year under his belt and knowing that they didn't quite accomplish it, um, has, has there been any, any sort of, of change in messaging at all, or is it to the, Hey, we finally got to prove it, uh, era of Brent Venables in year number two?
0: I think. I think anyone who goes through one year learns what they need to improve upon, and that includes coaches. You know, Brent Venables grew as a first year head coach last year. He, he knows now what he needs to do to make this team better on all aspects, including physical play. So I think that that is a part of it. And then it's the players themselves. They, they, all they have to do is put the film on and look at last year and see where they were beat and how they were beat and realize, you know, hey, you need to get better at this, this part. And most, for the most part, it's point of attack. So, I think that it's it's both the coaches and the players after year one it 's that valuable experience that they they got, and you know everyone going into the season, you know no one wanted to say transition year or rebuilding year and that 's exactly what it was. It was a rebuilding year, so now you have to learn from last year and, and kind of implement it in twenty twenty three and it starts with these fifteen
1: practices this spring. I think the fascinating part about what we 're seeing right now with Brent you remember when he got hired Eric and Uh, We spent a significant amount of time discussing how he's changed and what he's learned from his different spots uh, at different stops and how much he's learned since he's been in Norman. I wonder if he would put last year into the category, I've I've maybe learned more about myself or just as much of everything else combined in that one year being the first year of head coach. I think that's a fascinating part of what they're moving into with 2023 is what Brent Venables learned about himself during this time as a first-year head coach.
0: You're exactly right. When you look at the coaches he's been around, Hall of Fame coaches, Bill Snyder and Bob Stoops and Babo Sweeney. I mean, these are guys that are Hall of Famers and among the greats in the game. And he was able to really get a little bit of, uh, from each and kind of take that into his own program, but there's no replacement for experience. And I think that's the key. He's never been in that seat before he learned week by week, what it's like, I mean, before the season started before the first game, you know, even the media obligations, he didn't realize that, you know, the, the coaches meet with the, the TV staff, TV personnel, the talent the day before a game. And he was shocked. He just didn't know that. So and he he's learning he learned little things like that, and then he learned big things game management, and of course, there were some ups and downs with game management last year, but he learned from that too. So I think that if he's able to continue to improve upon what he built this year this past year into this year and and still continue to look at what he learned from those three legendary coaches he, he can only improve and go up from here.
1: I've heard a couple of comments as Eric Bailey joins us here on the blitz eleven seventy through and from some players when asked about where they feel like that they're at now uh compared to this time last year this many practices through spring. And they've all said the same thing that they feel like that they're in a better place now. That fits the mold of what Venables was talking about with strengthening their roster uh, back during the uh, pre-spring press conference that he had through recruiting and also through the transfer portal. But it really seems like that they they honestly believe that. I don't feel like that that's a blowing smoke moment from the players right now.
0: No, not at all. And, you know, for the returners, I mean, it's both improving mentally and physically. Mentally, they know what's expected of them. They know what film study is. They know what the coaches are trying to teach them. Physically, it's just a, a full year with Smitty. It, it's, you know, putting on good weight. It's getting faster. And I think a year with schmidt they're going to make physical improvements as, as well. You know, a lot of the players come out saying that they gained good weight. So I think that's big, too. So it's both the mental and physical part of the game. I think that's where the they're, the returners are growing. The newcomers, you know, they they have to be sponges. They have to soak everything in. But the good thing is, you know, of the transfer portal guys, you've got guys that have seemed to really been – Adapting to the new style, you know, we, we heard, talked about Reggie Pearson, the Texas Tech defensive back, uh, uh, more than one. A uh, player told us that Reggie Pearson picked this defense up pretty fast, and they're just so impressed with how quick he learned things. And, and that's what you need with these transfer portal players. They need to really adapt to what they're, you know, what this spring is going to give them. They really need to learn this defense, this offense, whatever position they play. And uh, that's the key. And, and that was part of Brent Venables. When he went out and looked for portal guys, it wasn't only how good you were on the field, it was how good you were off the field in terms of growing and learning and developing.
1: He also hasn't really pulled any punches uh, with some of his comments. I mean, what was his line about the secondary, that they lost a lot of bodies but not a lot of production? Reggie Pearson kind of fits into that mold as well. Uh, The depth at a lot of positions, including some of those spots uh, in the back end of that defense, are going to be highlighted here during spring. At least that's what it seems like right now, Eric.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we talked about Billy Bowman. I I mean, excuse me. Uh, We talked a little bit about Jackson Arnold just a second ago, being a newcomer and there's all kinds of expectations on him. Uh, The same thing with Peyton Bowen. I mean, everyone's excited about his appearance. You know, he's five-star guy, one of the top recruits that Oklahoma's had. And uh, what's his, what's his growth going to be like? I think that's going to be huge. Uh, you know, a lot of the, his teammates are saying there's still some growing involved, but you know what, when he's, he's really, really gaining some valuable experience coming in as a mid-year enrollee. So I, I really think he's a guy that can really make a big difference. And then you have, you know, returners like Keith Lawrence, Keith Lawrence didn't have the season that he wanted last year, but it seems like we've got a chance to talk to um, coach Hall about the safeties coach about, key Lawrence, and he said he's made big strides from the year one to from last year to this year, and that's big too because that back end they really need to be more physical like you said that was really telling what Brent said about losing bodies, but you know but they're gaining some really really good talent back there so there needs to be improvement back there not only the secondary I mean not only the safety but a cornerback too you just need more consistency out of players like Woody Washington and Day- Jaden Davis and guys like that.
1: Back to Key this is kind of the year for him right I mean it's been up and down for the first couple of years for him on campus and, and what it seems like and this may be me being a bit too harsh on him but it seems like more the down moments than, than the up moments. But uh, it's kind of at least comes across. It's either this year or or nothing right for Key Lawrence. Like the time is now uh, for him, for a player of his caliber.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that's it. I mean, you you have a guy that has a lot of experience, you know, playing time at Tennessee, came to Oklahoma, uh, you know, and and really had a decent year in twenty twenty one but then kind of took a step back in 22. You really didn't expect that because you expected him to be probably one of the stars of this defense last year, and it really just didn't happen like everyone expected. So I think that that's the big thing is you need those veteran players to really step up. I guess that's that's, that coach cliche, step up. But someone like Keith Lawrence, you really need him to really not only be good this year, but also be good for years to come in terms of mentoring these younger players and kind of teaching them how college football is and how you have to get better on a – on a daily basis. So it's a big year for Key Lawrence.
1: All right. uh, Final two from me is uh, the quarterback, Jackson Arnold. I know there's a ton of hype around him. I cringe though, every time, Eric, and maybe it's because the older that I get, and I think about the amount of hype that gets put on kids uh, far too early, by the way, I mean, he, he's been phenomenal right through his high school career. So I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve some of the hype, But there comes a point in time where even I'm like, I want to pump the brakes a little bit more on some of the comments that happen here. How is that going to continue to evolve here through spring football and then into the summer months through fall camp? It doesn't seem like that the hype train is going to slow down at all for him.
0: I don't think so either. I mean, everyone wants to know, you know, is he a guy that can compete for the starting job? And, you know, I, I saw some tweet, uh, Earlier this week about Heisman and his name in the same sentence. That's and what no. I was like. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the brakes. I mean, here's a guy who has never took a college snap. You can't expect that, and that's not fair to him. It really isn't, uh, you know. But you know, in a way, Jackson understands what he stepped into when you when you become a quarterback at a high profile school like Oklahoma. Really, at a position that's been, you know, you look at all the Heisman Trophy winners and everything that's in the past, starting with, you know, you know, back in Jason White, Sam Bradford, you know. It, four four Heisman winners in what, what do we? What about the last 20 years? Is that mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah.
0: And Heifel, you could argue that Heifel deserved a, a Heisman too. This is a ho- high-profile position, and Jackson Arnold knew when he signed with Oklahoma that was going to be the case. Now, it's important inside that locker room for him not to, you know, just to learn. And I think he's mature enough where he is. He's learning from Dylan Gabriel. He has really a good mentor in Dylan Gabriel. Doesn't get too high, too low. And, and and we talk about being a sponge. That's exactly what Jackson needs to do. He needs to be a sponge. Uh, we've seen him limit in limited action during the open sessions, and I've been impressed with him. He throws a real pretty ball. The ball comes out of his hands so fast. So, but that being said, he's just a freshman. He's only had four or five college practices. So there's still a lot of way to go, and it's, it's important for everyone to be patient with him.
1: Hey, props to you by the way for uh, the Sam Bradford uh, piece, as you as you stated. Like it's it's rare that Sam gives interviews like this, uh, and congratulations to Sam as well for for his success. Uh, Eric, what was the uh, what was kind of the conversation that you had with Sam? I know he had bits of advice for everyone, but he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame, correct?
0: Yeah, uh, the American Indian Athletics Hall of Fame. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah next month uh, at the First Americans Museum and. Uh, so I, I have a couple more stories coming out with Sam. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the role model he is for uh, for Native Americans and, you know, what he does and, and his reach. And, and it's incredible. I mean, his story, and we talked about it when he won the Heisman being a member of the Cherokee Nation. There's a lot of pride there, too. So we talked about that, and we talked a little bit about this year's team, too. I mean, he's excited about Jackson Arnold, but, again, he kind of said what you and I were just saying. You know, take your time. It's a process. Learn it. Uh, he gave some really good advice, and uh, he also talked a little bit a uh, great story about Brent Venables. I said, "What do you remember about Venables?" And he told me that you know one year in one game in two thousand and six or one practice week in two thousand and six, he was running the scout team, lighting up the first team defense. He said, "I was completing everything. He said, <laughs> Venables stopped the practice, grabbed him by the face vests, and said, "If you p- complete one more pass, this is turning into a live tackling drill <laughs> <laughs> Days over, Sam said, "That was it. That was all over there." But uh, it was really neat talking to Sam. I mean, he he talked about you know again talked about being you know just a, a role model for Native Americans. He talked about the Heisman statue because we talked a little bit about Tyler, That's a story I'm working on, and he made me laugh because I said, "How did you pick your pose for the Heisman?" And he said, "Well, I'm not a I'm not a runner, that's for sure. <laughs> so it was obvious I wasn't going to run the ball. So it, yeah, it, it was really neat talking to him. He was at Disney World when I talked to him too. You know, the interview was set up by. The 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 hall of fame in Oklahoma city. And, and he was with his family and he said, they're on the the safari ride and I'm sitting here on a bench, just sitting here. So we got all the time in the world. So we talked for about 25 minutes. He was, he said people still recognize him too. He said he'd be in line at Disney world and people would go up and they'd recognize him. And I I mean, he's still, he's still a recognizable guy. So he lives in Oklahoma city, um, three kids, five, three, and one. And the five-year-old is just starting T-ball. So he's a T-ball dad too. So it it's it just fun. It was really neat talking to him because I really haven't, you know, I wasn't on the beat when he was the quarterback and right. I talked to him one time, but it was just, just two guys talking. It was fun. I had a great time just talking to him. So
1: not to give away too much of your article, Eric, but is he, is he aware of the, the status that he is at in terms of being a role model to, uh, through his heritage of being a native American? And, and was he always aware of that? Because I ask that sometimes of athletes, you know, they're they're so heavily involved in what they're doing that they don't have really time to think about that. At what point did he become aware of that? And has it continued to grow over time?
0: I think it has, and you know in hindsight with anybody, as you get older, you put a lot more things in
1: perspective,
0: and I think he realizes it a lot more now than he did during his playing days, but during his playing days, if you remember with well, the year he won the Heisman in two thousand and eight, I mean that was part of the storyline you know the you know being a Native American member of the Cherokee nation uh I think that really opened his eyes he wasn't a he didn't come from a traditional family, the traditional-based family that, you know, really embraced that. He just wasn't knowledgeable when he first, you know, went to OU, but as he grew and as he saw the support, it really enlightened him a lot, and as the years have gone by, you know, people, he, 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 well, a good example is when I talked to him. I said, you know, Sam, I'm Native American. I'm Cherokee Creek and Seminole, and I told him it's it's an honor to, you know, for what you did, and he said, one of the neat things about when people, he talks to people, he said, a lot of times people come up, I'm Cherokee Indian, I'm Choctaw Indian, I'm Chickasha, Chickasha. So, so they, they, he sees that through them. He realizes the scope of what, the magnitude of what he's been able to do, just from people coming up and say, hey, I'm Cherokee Indian, I'm proud of what you've done. And uh, I think that was really neat. And he's, he's embracing it really, really a lot right
1: now. That's great. Um, Yeah, I, I remember that being a thing. And I've, I always appreciated that about him. And, um I always appreciated um Dane Evans too, when Dane Evans would, would, would share uh, with uh his heritage from being from the Wichita tribe. Um, you know, those are two guys that were incredibly proud of that and uh, continue to uh, wave that banner to this day. And, um, man, I think that's awesome that you got to catch up with Sam. That's, I can't wait to uh, be able to read uh, the uh, even more details that you have coming out about that good stuff, man. I appreciate you uh, joining us here in Tulsa, man. Great to catch up with you. Hope, uh, hope the fam's doing well. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Pop, thanks a bunch. You have
0: a good week, okay? Appreciate All right. Thank it. Thank you, man. Great
1: to- that is the great Eric Bailey joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Yeah, Dane, the thing that stood out to me about Dane, I believe it was Dane's great grandmother was the last fluid speaker of the Wichita language, I believe, if I remember correctly. Really? She passed away, I think, his senior year in 2016. Um, and Dane had opened up about that a lot during his playing days. Very awesome from uh, eric bailey and sam bradford it's 225 here on the blitz 1170 let's take a time out come back with more live from the ike's chili house studio serving four generations of Tolsons since 1908 we'll come back with more next thank you for listening to this exclusive blitz 1170 podcast from bravado wireless